0: Welcome to PRT at Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and uh, with me today is a, a different setup. I'm going to have a different lineup, folks. I'm going to have a Ryan Tremblay is going to be my co-host. He's from Venomous Friends. You want to say hello, Ryan?
1: Hey, how's it going, everybody?
0: And Ken Gerhardt, everyone. He's going to be our guest.
2: It's great to be here. Good evening, gentlemen.
0: It's always great to have you on. I, I was noticing something. I just want to throw that out there real quick. You guys, your last names are both French, right? Ken, uh-huh. you're. Gerhard and and Ryan Tremblay. So I'm here with two Frenchmen. And yes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty true. cool. So and uh, as always, we're gonna be doing a giveaway. It's gonna be one of Ken Gerhard's books, and uh it's gonna be autographed. So be sure and uh like and subscribe and make comments on the uh the, the link that we're gonna drop on the paranormal roundtable group. So without further ado, we're going to get started here. Uh, what I wanted to do today was, and was something that we had been talking about, guys, and we coordinated it, and we wanted to talk about animals or possible animals, cryptids, that may or may not be extinct. And what I mean by that is people see uh, creatures that I personally believe could be relic populations of creatures. I did a show if you follow my, my my show, I did one called "Besieged by Bigfoot," and what I I really believe, after talking to a lot of people during the feedback, you know, from that show, it's very possible that what they were dealing with was a type of troglodyte. I don't know what you would say, like um, like a relic population of something that's, you know, like uh, a throwback species of creature that that we just don't. They were very much flesh and blood. There was nothing really supernatural about it. And and so you got to wonder if these things are still running, roaming around out there. I wanted to get started with the uh, with you, Ken. I wanted to ask you just point blank. You were on a show called Missing in Alaska, right? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in
2: two-tho- 2015.
0: That, a very good show, folks. If you want to check it out, you were with a guy named Jax. He's a pretty cool character. We were Me and my wife are pretty much caught up on all the episodes now. The, the first thing I wanted to ask about, okay, was a creature called the Amarok. That, and that was, I believe, wasn't that your first episode on there or it was the first? That
2: was the first episode we filmed. I don't know if it was the first one that aired, but it was the first one we filmed when we got to Alaska. And it was a talk about opposites. It was one night we were out filming at night. Uh, one night it was 30 degrees below zero when we were filming so they kind of the opposite of what ryan he's <laughs> <but>
1: 100, <laughs> different so that's interesting
0: i think ryan would probably take that right now over <laughs> 100 oh, what, I, how hot is it there
1: would, yeah no hesitation there what
0: is it 113 today
1: yeah and it's climbing oh my god it's, it's still not oh cooling man. down oh man. i remember yeah. when
0: i stayed in vegas for a little while i was there and it was it was 116 degrees, and it'd be midnight, and I'd be out on my my job, and I'd fill the bricks, and they were still hot at like you know midnight, one o'clock. Yeah, you gotta watch out for that. It's crazy. So so Ryan, the, the the I don't know, have you seen the missing in Alaska?
1: Not as yet, no. No, very interesting. Okay, in though.
0: well the Amarok was it was a creature that was that's reputed by the the Alaskan natives to be a wolf-type creature. Um, so, Ken, I'll let you do the description of
2: it. Uh, yeah, the Amarok. And first of all, you have to understand a little bit about Alaskan um, culture and history. There are many different native tribes in Alaska, of course, just like in North America. Uh, but there are a few main ones. So along the coastal lines, you have the Inuit people, and those are the ones that eat, that make igloos and hunt walruses and stuff. And then you have down in southeastern Alaska, in the rainforest, you have like the clinkit and uh, the Haida. And then as you get into the interior of Alaska, you have a lot of um, Yupik people. And that includes like the Athabascans and, and different cultures. But I believe the Amarok is a Yupik or, I'm not sure if it's Athabascan, but it's a, one of the Yupik tribe legends. And the name literally means demon wolf. And um, the, the characterization is basically like like a wolf, but like much, much bigger and more ferocious. And uh, some of the modern witnesses that we, we found a couple, there weren't many, uh, claimed that what they saw was like a, as big as a bear and almost like a bear dog. So almost like, you can imagine the bulk of a bear with like a dog like head and stuff. So that's kind of the general description of the Amarok, which is a, a
1: very lesser known cryptid.
0: What do you think of that, Ryan? What does that that sound? sounds
1: extremely fascinating. It just kind of brings to mind, like he said, the bear dog, or even possibly the dire wolf. I just, I wonder if those are connected somehow.
0: What about this one, uh, guys? What about the amphission or the Is that how you say it, Ken?
2: Yeah, beautiful. That, that was perfect Latin. Yeah. Well, amphissionidae uh, was, uh, yeah, those were, um, and and that particular. Ancient species has come up in another cryptid I investigated for the History Channel, which was known as the Beast of Gévaudin, which was French. Mm-hmm. So now we've, we've come full circle back yeah. to our French heritage here. <laughs> but um, the Amphicyonids, or the were actually called the bear dogs. That's one of the nicknames. But they were very ancient species of uh, carnivore, uh, about 45 million years ago, which was in the Middle Eocene. So way back about 20 million years after the dinosaurs died out and uh, they lived up until I think the lower minus upper or lower Miocene about 5 million years ago. And they were huge. The largest one weighed about 1700 pounds. Oh, wow. So, I mean, think about, I don't know how much does a big polar bear weigh about 14, 1500 tops. Yeah. So, I mean, it's bigger, bigger than a polar bear. Even <clears throat> they were plantigrade like bears. So they walked in the, their flat feet because they're so heavy. Uh, they were obligate carnivores, so they ate only meat, uh, like cats. Um, and, uh, you know, it's believed that they died out because they actually lost the competitions to the canids, which was the next line of -hmm. carnivores that were very successful and the ones that we still have today primarily. So, um, but they basically, an amphicyonid basically had like a bear-like body with a dog-like head. And it had a long kind of cat-like tail. So, I mean, if you can picture that, uh, it does kind of sound like like a description of the Amarok.
0: Wow. Now, okay. When we've talked, you know, about this too, Ken, like we, we were having a conversation one evening, and you told me that you really did not believe a hundred percent. You weren't you weren't a hundred percent either way, but you you leaned on the side of this was not what the Amarok was. Be-
2: yeah, and. It's, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, Just because of the time.
2: Yeah, that's it. I mean, think about you know, we're, I'm sure we'll talk about dire wolves a little bit here because you know that's a popular uh, species and it comes up a lot in terms of dog man and other cryptids. Um, so the the dire wolf Canis dirus died out about nine thousand five hundred years ago which sounds like a long time, 7,000 BC, but I mean, human civilizations were starting to spring up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The amphicyonids, 45 million years ago is basically, like I said, it's just after the dinosaurs died out basically. So that's a long, long time. There's really no history in our fossil record. There's no, there's not enough evidence in my opinion that that would support that the amphicyonids, getting kind of, <laughs> amphicyonids, it is a mouthful, um, you know, that they stuck around. So it's, it's just, it's improbable, not as improbable. Or I think the, the dire wolf is less. Uh,
0: <clears throat> it's more probable.
2: Yeah, more probable. So, we're, you know, that's how science works, right? You look at probability.
0: And so because you know now, Ryan, you're, you and Ken have something in common. You're you're a little more on the side of of the cryptozoological like uh, side, whereas I'm on I'm I'm into the cryptozoological thing, but I'm also I at one foot into the uh the realm of anything's possible. Okay. Right. And I know that 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 Ryan, you had an encounter. We'll get to that in a minute. And and it was uh not uncommon. Now it's very strange because these things, what you saw, Ryan, seem to have a range. Like I've I've looked at a map, and I, and I was with my nephews, and we we went over this map, and we looked at all the encounters that we could find of what you saw, Ryan. Um, but you and me talked about this, and we threw the whole uh thing out, and you were pretty like that's not really what you saw. Like what you saw was more hyena like.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. And so in my encounter involved um, what I saw, which, which, and folks, what we're talking about are upright canids that me and Ryan saw. Um, But what, what you saw was less more of a canid because it was hyena-like. Now, if anybody knows a hyena is not, their closest relatives are weasels, not, not canines. That's
2: interesting how that works. Yeah. They're they're feliforms. So they're in the cat family.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah. So, so the, the, they're not they're the not sub-orders. weasels. I thought they were weasels. Well, they're they're,
2: they're closest. Well, weasels are in that suborder too. Oh, that's
0: right. Okay, yeah. Because if you go back and you look at the at the uh, the, the the tree, there's this weasel looking creature that kind of sprang off from that that looks kind of like a cat. I think that's what I don't know what it's called. So that's that's Civet. where. Civet. There you go. And, and they branched off from that. Now, okay. And I thought, I thought I was like, man, is this a Mandela effect? But, <laughs> so, but see, that's why we got Ken on here. Cause Ken folks is a cryptozoological expert. And I'm not kidding about that. Like you can, you know, I dabble in a lot of different things, but Ken is definitely an expert on this. I think you and Scott Martis have like the most, like you guys, man, when it comes to the uh, prehistoric animals, you got it down. So that's why I wanted to have you on here. Now, we were talking, me and Ryan, we had talked about your encounter, Ryan, and what you saw. And it looked very much like a hyena. Now, when I was going back and talking with Ken, Ken, and, Ken informed me that there had been in, in, in that area, you know, a hyena population that was a relic, not a relic, but what could be a relic population, but that there were hyenas that roamed around North America. Um, how long ago did those disappear, Ken?
2: Well, there's, there's actually going to be two interesting directions we can take with, with this. Uh, there were prehistoric hyenas that migrated into North America from about 5 million years, starting about 5 million years ago during the Miocene, uh, upper Miocene, and then to the mid Pleistocene, which was about 1.5 million years ago is when they supposedly died out. Now, uh, this This name is even harder to pronounce <laughs> than Fonid. But they were known as the chasmaportetus and they were basically they were a type of hyena. Uh, they were smaller than this African spotted hyenas that were we know so well. They were longer, longer body shape, more like a weasel, I guess. smaller limbs. And by smaller, I mean like thinner. And uh, they had a short tail and muzzle. So they're basically like like tiny hyenas. But we also had a species of canid uh, that was hyena-like. Okay, so it was actually a, a canid, a dog, but it was uh, the group was known as the borophagines, and uh, they lived about 4.9 to 1.8 million years ago in North America, and they looked like hyenas. They were dogs, but they had kind of a short muzzle, the very powerful jaws. They had a flatter back than modern hyenas. Um, so you had a lot of hyena representatives kind of running around North America. But now, again, the time frame we're talking about here is like five to 1.5 million years ago. So more recent than the amphicillons, but still, you know, millions of years ago, is the last time they were here.
0: So the question to, to Ryan you, I, I, that I wanted to ask, and, and this is, you know, most important is that when, what you saw. Did it appear in any shape or form like something that could be prehistoric or like a relic?
1: You know, that's really hard to say because, honestly, when I had first seen it, it was just that whole shock value. But maybe looking at the details now, I would say it's possible. You know, it's just I would have to know more about various species to say, yeah, it could be that or that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a lot to think about. It really is.
0: When I, have, when I have talked to uh, people who've given me hyena, because I did an entire show just on hyena cryptids, and they weren't all uh, monsters running around on two legs. It was people seeing giant hyenas, like looking like giant hyenas. Yeah. In um, my
1: encounter, it was on all fours very briefly. Yeah, and oh, then it,
0: okay. it, it popped up.
1: Yeah, it slowly stood up and you could hear the bones popping. Yeah,
0: the popping. How many pops was it? That's just my curiosity.
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember it accurately, I think it was two.
0: Two, yeah. When it
1: first started standing up, and then when it stood up straight, you heard it was really loud.
0: Yeah, that 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 is very common with the dog man encounters. Like the guys out there at the the ranch out here in Central Texas, they they were, when they've been close enough, they can hear it pop pretty loud. They hear like three yeah, pops.
1: It was, it was disgustingly loud. You know how when you hear somebody crack their knuckles and they're right next to you, you just kind of go, "Oh!" It was kind of like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I they they talk about the pop pop pop, and then there's one guy that I talked to who's just absolutely determined to to make me believe that it's a dire wolf that's learned to stand up on two legs. That sounds improbable to me. I just I just don't I don't know if I buy into that. But the size of these things, dire wolves even were, were, were not even that big. I mean, like the, what you're talking about, some of these people seeing a seven foot tall creature. Now, if you took a dire wolf and you stood it up on its hind legs, is it possible that it could be seven foot tall? Uh, I'm asking Ken
2: um dire wolves were about as as you said they weren't really much bigger than modern wolves they were more robust uh they had shorter legs than modern wolves canis lupus the the wolves that we know now uh canis dirus had very short legs it wasn't as fast it didn't run as much it was probably like a scavenger but it had a huge head it had this massive skull with these powerful jaws incredible bone crushing and that was because of what it ate, you know, uh, dire wolves fed on a lot of, uh, carrion and a lot of large animals like prehistoric horses, bison, camels. Yeah. Believe it or not, there were camels in, in North America back then and, uh, animals like that. So, uh, I think the problem with that would be that the dire wolf just had these, I don't know, maybe that would help it stand on its hind legs, but my issue with this theory and I've heard it before is that. Wolves and all canids in general have very small feet and the weight is evenly distributed across four smaller feet as opposed to us with our big feet on two legs. So it just doesn't seem like a a canid could stand up. I mean, they can stand up. We have all seen dogs stand, but you know, walk efficiently for any period of time on strictly on their hind legs because their feet are so small. They have to support all that weight on those two little feet. And the hip structures are all wrong. The the legs are, are kind of a little bit different since they're quadrupeds. So
0: Well, I, I disagree because I went to the circus and I saw a poodle running around on its hind legs for like a long time. So that hmm. that's, my okay. that's my facts. That's my fact. I guess
1: there. there's a video of a woman <laughs> who trained her dog to do that. Yeah.
0: How,
1: <laughs> how, much, does a poodle running around how much does How much does
0: a poodle weigh? The that's problem. a good question. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, that that video, Ryan, I think it's almost like animal cruelty because is it the one with the little dog with the backpack? Yeah. That's oh the my gosh! One. My my wife hates that because she's she's like, oh, that poor dog, because it's unnatural for them to do. It right? is, yeah.
1: It's disturbing to watch because you're watching this little poodle just run around like a little kid.
0: Yeah, and it's not correct. Now, no, he, here's the thing that why I believe a lot of the the the, the dog man whole the whole dog man thing. We're not going to delve all into that, but. Just, I think a lot of it has to be. There has to be something going on that's not. It's it's just it just physiologically doesn't make sense. You know that there would be. Um, So there's something going on. The aspect of it being, you know, I think there's more than just one thing happening here. And I like like your encounter, Ryan, with the hyena type creature. uh, I had one out of Abilene. That was just like a, a, an enormous hyena that never got on two legs. It was just on all fours and it literally ran alongside these guys car, uh, oh right outside of Appaline at dusk and they were just looking right at it and it was just, and then it just veered off into the brush, you know? Um, and they, they said, absolutely. It had to be like a hyena. Now here's the catch though. It wasn't spotted. See, now this is the thing, guys, I, I was just, th- it was blown away by the description because it, it almost matched uh, another one that I got out of, uh, not Lubbock, uh, in San Angelo. <clears throat> these people saw one out of San Angelo. Of course, they're again out in the middle of nowhere in West Texas, you know, and and that's where these things are being seen a lot. Now, there were some oil workers near the Permian Basin out near Mid- uh, near Odessa, Same, same terrain, same whatever, and they saw one, you know all of them on all fours you know it's just it's very odd that you would you know and if you look at a map if you were to look at a map you would see these things are from the far eastern part or far western part of louisiana and it goes into arizona and it kind of stops and i don't really get any any encounters that go beyond that like from what i have seen from what the encounters that i have gotten and people have told me and what i've looked up most of them kind of go like into arizona I don't have any that I've even heard of in California. I don't have any, but they're kind of in this, uh, Southwestern area. You know, I don't have any in the, the Southeast. I mean, there, there might be people listening going, Oh, I've, I've heard of this. I, I have not as far as what I, I have gotten gathered, whatever. Um, I think there was just one that was outside of that range and everything else was in that range. And so, is there any way, like, do you know about the fossil records, Ken? If there's anything that that, that shows these hyena type creatures where they are being found fossil-wise?
2: Well, um, first off, I just wanted to add that I have some have heard of accounts of giant hyena-like four-legged animals from Arkansas, from the Ozarks. And there's a researcher up there that's collected several of those accounts, including one guy that was supposedly possibly attacked by one of these things or it was a pretty dramatic story but anyways so but i've heard of those that counts from arkansas texas and like you said just a limited range um you know it's hard to say how how wide ranging you know prehistoric species were because we have fossils that we found fossils are very very chance things right in order for a fossil to be formed, it almost takes a miracle. It's got to be the perfect conditions for an animal to be, you know, like in a tar pit or a bog or, you know, somewhere where it dies instantly and its remains are immediately covered with dirt or, you know, things like that. So so the fossil history is incomplete. So, so we have fossil records of these um, prehistoric hyenas and hyena-like dogs from various parts of North America. Um, Mostly like Nebraska and I think possibly Arizona and Texas, places where a lot of fossils are found, fossil beds and things. So maybe Florida. So, I mean, they're kind of, they were widespread. So, but that doesn't, that doesn't reflect modern times because even if we were going to say theoretically this was a surviving relic population of hyenas or hyena like dogs, its current distribution range wouldn't necessarily replicate what it, where it lived in the past. I mean, animals shift their. Distribution range all the time, right? So, I mean, they could be in a limited or a smaller area. And we, you know what? I did forget to mention we were talking earlier about the, uh, the hyena like dogs, the borophagi, Um, there was one species I forgot to mention known as epicyon and it was huge. It was about five feet long, but it weighed like two to 300 pounds. So it was like the largest canid ever and uh those were in north america for a brief time too so that would most fit i think the modern descriptions of of what of what you're talking about
0: so okay so that was that's another okay well that's that's actually very interesting that's cool i didn't even all right so this other species would be more along the lines of what the Amarok could be is that what you're saying
2: um yeah possibly i mean it looked well, no no the Amarok is like a bear dog. We're talking about a hyena, hyena dog, right? Okay. So but you know, it's it's all about perception because what makes something look like a hyena, what makes something look like a bear, what makes something I mean, all those animals are related. They're all carnivores, they're all in the same order. Mm-hmm. Some have longer muscles, some have shorter muzzles, some have sloping backs, some have flat back, some have longer, shorter legs. But they're all kind of built in a similar design, right? So Um, and who's to say some
0: of them didn't survive and then they started breeding with other the more modern species
2: well you know and there's other species we may not know about because again because of the fossil history being incomplete there's certainly hundreds if not thousands of species of canids caniforms that we just never even found fossils for right that have lived and died maybe for a briefer amount of time or whatever but they still evolved in a different direction
0: and folks just so you know folks at home ken is actually working on a time machine and when he's done with that we're going to go back and fill in all the blanks (laughs) i i i I nominate you ryan and my nephew y'all three can go do it and come back and let me know what you found and then i'll talk about it
1: (laughs) thanks josh i appreciate it man. (laughs)
0: well you're welcome i'm giving you the glory guys i don't want to you know i don't want to steal your thunder so you go back in time with your shields, your space shields. If we're, you know, and and Ken, you're gonna have to develop those too to protect you from these canidae that are gonna try and eat you.
2: Because <laughs> everything
0: back then was like, you know. So I, I know this. The the now the dire wolf died out during the Pleistocene era, right? Yep. And that epoch, was Pleistocene yeah, epoch. epoch. Twelve thousand years ago was that the end of it? Ah,
2: well, they found remains. The the most recent remains that have been dated. Uh, went to 9,500 years ago
0: wow so, so that's not little, oh man <laughs> so that's not very long ago
2: well I mean in in terms of what the other species we've been talking about millions of years mm-hmm. no I mean 9,500 years is literally a blink of an eye compared to um 1.5 million years ago even you know so <laughs>
0: Yeah, because, like, I, I know that if you looked at, like, somebody was saying, and I've read this, and I know somebody was telling me this when I was talking to them the other day. They said that if the Empire State Building was was, was all of human, was all of history, the human history would only be, like, a sheet of paper at the top of it. Is that accurate?
2: Uh, well, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always mean, thought maybe you know, that was
0: an exaggeration, but then again, I mean, like, what type of humans are we talking about? Because, you know... You know, we've talked about this too. Ken. is something I wanted to get into. How many different species have we lived alongside the the the, the Homo sapien that we are? How many different species of of humanoid or hominid have we lived next? You know, side by side with that we know of.
2: Well, that list keeps growing because of recent discoveries. But uh, for a while now, we've known about Homo uh, sapiens, Neanderthalensis, the Neanderthals. They were around until like forty, fifty thousand years ago. We knew about Homo erectus, who we lived alongside of until maybe 80,000 years ago or who knows, maybe more recent. So that's three. Then you have uh, Homo floresiensis, the hobbit that was discovered in 2003 and on the island of Flores in Indonesia. That was around 50,000 years ago. So now that's four. Now you can talk about Homo luzonensis, the Denisovans. Homo uh, luzonensis. So I think we're up to about seven different species now that coexisted that Homo sapiens coexisted with. Uh, some of those died out, you know, maybe 50,000 years ago. Some of them may have died out a little bit before that, but uh so yeah, it's a bushy it was a bushy tree. There were a lot of different hominids kind of competing at the same time.
0: Kind of like Quest for Fire. Have you guys have seen that movie?
2: Oh yeah, I love
0: yeah. that movie? That movie's awesome. I mean it, it 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 may be accurate. I mean like I remember watching it and i had mentioned something to like uh like I don't remember a biology teacher or something you know, in high school and he was like, "Well that that's impossible. They couldn't have all lived together like that." I'm like, "Well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, there had to be other species that were around." I mean, you know, it just it it doesn't make sense. And one of the things I was watching a show uh called the uh, it was about Alaska the other day. Ever since Dave Weatherly had the show, I've been fascinated with Alaska. We had this. Uh, it was like the, the Alaskan Triangle, and it's on uh, History Channel, I believe. Isn't it History Channel, or I think it's. I think it's. It's either no. It's this Discovery no, it's, uh, travel, travel Travel Channel. Channel. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm so mes- yeah. mixed up here. The Travel Channel missing in Alaska, and they had a, a show, and I couldn't stay awake. I just I'm, I was tired when I was watching it, but it was like. They were talking about a Bigfoot species, and I can't remember the name of it. But they were talking about a Bigfoot species that is very large, and 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 it's very aggressive, and that it lives in Alaska, in the Alaskan Triangle, and it's it's like six feet across. These people describe it how wide it is. Yeah, and oh, you know, it's a giant, and 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 it's and it's basically like eight nine feet tall, and it's super aggressive and they they gave the name of of a type of species of of this giant creature that that actually existed at one time in that region uh you know according to fossil records and i remember watching it and i remember thinking that's crazy so you know alluding to the to the to the it could be a relic population of a hominid you know or ape type creature that people are seeing up there. Do you know anything about that, Ken? Because I can't remember the name of that.
2: Well, it may have existed in Asia and that's where a lot of the, a lot of the animal species that are in North America now came across the land bridge from Asia. Yeah. Wolves, deer, bears, foxes, you know, all those things. So I mean the, the land bridge anything right? that, Yeah. Anything that yeah, the land bridge that was there during the Pleistocene. So, I mean, anything that was, was in Asia, and that's where a lot of hominids have been found in Asia and Africa. So in Asia you have Homo erectus and uh, Gigantopithecus and Gigantopithecus was the biggest, but they don't know if it was a biped. So it, uh, it the evidence is probably pointing to it maybe being more of a quadruped, but you had uh, the Neanderthals and in Asia and Homo erectus and, you know, some of the others. So, you know, it's possible that something like that could have migrated across into Alaska. Sure.
0: And so the, so the hyena, hyena die that, or, you know, that that we, we had here in North America, they originated from Asia.
2: Yeah, they did. But, uh, but dogs, canids originated in North America and it was the opposite. They started here and they went into Asia and migrated across the land bridge. So.
0: The, the, and that's a question I have too. Like there was a, there was a type of bear I know that, that lived. Some people still claim to see this thing. There was a type of bear that, that they call the giant cave face bear. And I know that in Kamchatka in that region, I believe people have claimed to have still see it, you know, and, and then the, uh, the taiga up in Russia in those regions, they claim that they see this bear still to this day, a short faced bear was a giant cave bear. And it was such a bad dude that, that the they don't have any records of grizzlies having migrated in, into, the, into North America until after this thing died out. So wow. like there was one yeah. excursion, I believe, and then then, then, it, then it was like there was nothing, and then they came back, and they only came back after this thing was gone, because it was such a bad dude. <clears throat> Do you think that this thing could still exist?
2: I mean, you're talking about Arctodus simus, which was a short faced bear and it was a huge bear. You're right. It had longer legs. It was lankier. It was bigger. It was like a grizzly bear with long legs that could run even faster. So it was pretty scary, but it had a short face, short muzzle. Um, You know, it was definitely adapted to colder climates. So, I mean, if you look at some of the wilderness areas and, you know, having been to Alaska, I mean, you know, it's 600,000 square miles of wilderness and, uh, I mean, there are obviously a lot of places there were no man has set foot. Siberia is the same way. So, I mean, if if something like Arctodus simus, the short-faced bear, does still exist, if it was possible, then it would be found probably in Siberia and Alaska and some of those remote northern wilderness areas.
0: So, I guess the other question I had there was another. There was another like, and we were talking about. Things that could exist or not exist. Another one that everyone always brings up. I mean, you can't have a discussion without this. Is the megalodon? What just before I even ask a question that's gonna that may sound ridiculous. To say, what, what do you what do you think that is?
2: Well, you know, first of all, I'd say that you know we're talking. This is fun to talk about all of these. The idea of these quote unquote living fossils, these ancient animals still being around, is it's fun to speculate about. Yes, it's possible that any of these could still exist, but it's highly, highly improbable. So I guess that's the one thing that we just need to, I just need to put out there as my opinion. You know, I like to imagine, I like to, you know, it's its possible. And that's the cool thing about it. It's not totally impossible, but it's highly improbable that any of these things are still around. But uh, Megalodon, you know, I don't know if there have been as many sightings of giant sharks like that, you know, as... There was, of course, a fictional TV show that came out a few years ago that people still asked me about. And it was, you know, basically a, uh, uh, a dramatized version of Megalodon still being around. And, um, you know, a lot of people thought that was real. And they said, well, I know it still exists because they had that video on that show. And I <laughs> was like, yeah, that was, that was, the whole thing was scripted, it was made up. So there, you know, um, there are a couple of giant shark, uh, you know, uh, sightings that I'm aware of that are pretty old. And there are, of course, people have found like uh, killer whale carcasses that have been found dead on beaches with giant bite marks. Of them. And then you, you know, wonder what would be big enough to take a chunk out of a killer whale, you know. So, <clears throat> but I guess, you know, if Megalodon had evolved in, into a deep ocean species rather than being like a, a great white, which comes very close to the, the shore then I guess theoretically a Megalodon could still exist in some of those deep ocean trenches because, I mean, we all know the ocean is so vast and unexplored and so very deep, you know, 12,000 feet deep on average. I mean, there there definitely could be anything down there in the ocean.
0: And everybody uses the coelacanth as their, that that is like everybody uses that as like the example of something that could still be you know alive but that's also in the ocean which is very vast and there's all sorts of places most of the earth is water so if something is going to survive it would be in the ocean here's what i think sure. about the megalodon and uh and, and and here's my opinion on that i don't believe it exists anymore and the reason i don't believe it exists is because it's I don't, I don't see the purpose in it going deep into the ocean because most of the prey that it would need to eat would be like whales, and they're not going to be found in the Marianas Trench because they need to come up for air. And I think that the Megalodon would need to be able to feed upon those creatures to sustain itself. And you're not finding, like you said, killer whales. Yeah, I mean, you you're not finding like, you know, Sperm whales and blue whales with just humongous chunks taken out of them from something that could be 60, 70 foot shark, you know. and True. I think that the killer whale had uh, a lot to do with the uh, with the extinction of the megalodon. And I'll tell you why. I believe that is because the killer whale was evolving at, th- at that time. It was starting to come into its own around the time that th- that this thing went into decline. So if the killer whale was, was becoming a, a thing, you know, the great whites lived alongside the, uh, the, uh, megalodons too. But the theory was that they stayed out of the shallow inland seas where the, the megalodon hunted. Um, a lot of the two, the two teeth that we, we, we recover now are, are in the middle of the country and in, in like riverbeds, And so America was split. It was like a, a, a shallow inland sea, and the Megalodon would swim in those seas. Now, it would have to take a huge leap to go from being a shallow sea predator that hunted whales to being down in the deep ocean. You know, I guess it could happen over the course of a million years, but it just doesn't make sense. The coelacanth hadn't changed in 35 million years or 32, whatever million years. So uh, it doesn't make sense that it would just change it up. There's still prey there, it could still eat it. But I think it was out-maneuvered uh, and out-hunted by the smaller great whites and by the killer whales. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah. And Very well-reasoned. That actually makes total sense.
0: Yeah. So, Ryan, you had a couple questions for Ken. Did you want to throw those out there? Because I don't want to take up all the air time here.
1: <laughs> oh, certainly. So, Ken, as far as my encounter goes with a hyena-type dogman, is there mm-hmm. any way that maybe an ancient species might have adapted during their evolution, so that they had to stand up on two legs.
2: Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you couldn't rule that out. Evolution does happen. You know, animals do evolve and adapt. Now, you have to look at why animals evolve, and it's usually for comp to outcompete other species, right? To get to have right. an advantage. So then, I would say you'd have to speculate. Well, what would the advantage be for a hyena-like dog or a hyena-like animal, or even a canid? standing up on its hind legs well maybe getting a better view you know i mean it can obviously it can stand that's why wolves probably stand up in the wild sometimes is to look around bears to see you know get the lay of the land um but their food source is primarily low right uh most carnivores uh eat things that are glow to the ground like rabbits and you know smaller animals right. Um, easy prey. So they, you know, there's a, there's a benefit for them to have that adaptation to be on four legs because they can run faster and they can stay low and they can hide and stalk. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: that would be my main question is what, what would be the benefit or the advantage to a hyena like animal, an ancient hyena like animal evolving into a more, and we won't, we won't say strictly biped because I, you know, I guess you could say that, you know, maybe it could do both quadruped Mm -hmm. and biped but that that would be my question and i don't i just can't think of an advantage uh in the long run of competition of evolution for an animal to 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 adapt in that direction or to evolve in that direction
1: okay wow that raises a lot more questions doesn't it oh boy
0: yeah i think one of the biggest questions would be uh (laughs) if it's not as as some sort of relic throwback or something then what are people seeing? I mean, you know, and that's why I always kind of take it back to the realm of, well, it could be something supernatural. I know if you ask a lot of people that are native, they'll tell you it's a skinwalker. You know, if you ask certain people who don't believe in anything at all, I mean, they'll say, well, some sort of wolf that learned how to stand up on its hind legs or in your case, Ryan, a hyena type creature, um one of the things that that I've heard from certain researchers too is that this hyena type creature is very much a canine. Like they'll say that that it looks hyena-like but it is very much canine in in its in its behavior. People that claim that they see these things like like regularly. Like there's well two people that I've actually talked to who who've seen them more than once. Very much believing that they're a flesh and blood creature. But I have a problem with um Coming to terms with, like, it, just a hyena. Like it, it's just it's just a different species to me. Now, when Ken made the the comment earlier, you you pointed out that there was a hyena that was very uh, canine. It's it's a canine basically. It was just or a canine that looked like a hyena. Yeah, and, and so that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there, there you go. I mean, like, in, and in fact, when you said that, that had never, I've never heard that until you said it just today right now. And so I was like, okay, so there's actually, there There were not two different hyenas going on here. There was one that was an actual hyena and then one that was a canine that looked like a hyena, which is so weird. Clark. That is crazy. Yeah. crazy so I actually learned something today. Wow. Okay. And so then that, that is a whole nother, that could create a whole nother, like what you saw, Ryan. And and actually a friend of mine I grew up with saw one of these things. It was hyena, like that on two legs. Now that, that, that means that there, there, it could be what this other researcher was telling me that they, that they are very canine in their behavior. They're very canine like. And so that would make sense. That would actually make a lot of sense. So doesn't mean that 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 I believe that this is what this is and that this thing is standing up on its hind legs or whatever, but the, the fact that there is a canine that looks like a hyena. And so, because I was always wondering, like, how does that work? You got these upright canines and then you got upright hyenas, which the majority of the population doesn't realize that hyenas are not dogs. They're not. They're, can- they're not canines but when you when you said that uh today, Ken, that actually makes a lot of sense, and I think a lot of the listeners at home will uh be be pretty interested in that, so that would make sense that this is still an upright canine. It's probably a hyena looking canine. Is that yeah. possible what you saw Ryan?
1: It could be, I think it is actually the more he talks about it, the more it kind of falls in the line It's just it's interesting to learn about this stuff. It really is
0: very very interesting uh topics. The the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Ken, is uh, Architeuthis. Have you heard of this?
2: Yeah, the giant squid. The
0: giant mm-hmm. squid. So if, if we're going back to the ocean for a minute here, so if you took Architeuthis, and it was in it, it, and it predominantly is a deep deep water predator, am I right?
2: Yeah, we we only see them when they die. Usually, that's the only time they come to the surface when they're dying.
0: So I guess, because it, it, somebody, somebody threw this out there to me, and they were like, well, you know, Megalodon you know, could live in the deep water because there's food down there because Archit- the archotuthus, which is, they said the giant squid, which is the archotuthus, that that lives in the deep water, and it's got enough prey to sustain itself. Now, what would be the difference between the Megalodon living in the deep water and having to, to find prey to sustain itself and the archotuthus? Because obviously the Archituthus has done it.
1: Dietary needs, no?
0: I mean, what's the yeah. difference?
2: Yeah, Ryan nailed it. I mean, the Architeuthis, the giant squid doesn't necessarily eat like – I mean, it's been known to attack sperm whales, but usually when it's being eaten by sperm whales, so Architeuthis eats smaller food. I mean, it eats smaller fish and things like that. So you, the things that you would find in those trenches. Megalodon, uh, Megalodon, I think, as you said, we thought it fed on larger things like whales, although it may have eaten smaller things too. but um if megalodon does exist, it would probably be eating those those archituthis, those giant squids, and the, the squid would—even the, the big squids would be kind of in the middle of that food chain. They'd be eating the smaller things,
1: and then the megalodons <laughs> would be eating them.
0: So, but, so um, there you go.
1: It'd be like that glycon like gin line. There's always a bigger fish.
0: Yeah. I, t- I tell you what, th- that that would make sense. Now, now— what you just said, because my argument was, you know, the archotuthus it has, like I said, I already knew, I kind of knew the answer to that. I was just, you know, because I wanted you to say it, so the people at home, yeah, there's different dietary needs, of course, obviously, the archotuthus doesn't isn't going to eat the same prey, but what if the megalodon is feeding on the archotuthus? What if that's its primary yeah. prey? That could very well be. It just doesn't. To me, though, it doesn't make sense because why would it? Why would it just stay down there eating that, when it could also, you know, eat whales? I mean, you know, killer whales. You know, eat eat other whales because killer whales aren't right. actually whales. They're actually por- porpoises, right? Right. And so here's
2: the thing about here's the thing about trying to eat an architeuthis. Okay, architeuthis has you know it's a squid. It has essentially ten tentacles. Those tentacles are lined with suckers that are lined with sharp teeth. Mm. So, if you tried to eat a giant squid, even if you were a megalodon, it, you would immediately have hundreds of round, jagged <laughs> <laughs> sucker <laughs> teeth on your body. And in fact, there have been sperm whales because sperm whales will try to eat giant squid. They'll they'll dive down deep. There have been sperm whales that have been found with the sucker scars all over their bodies. So right. they basically right. did the battle with the giant squid, and they paid the price. I don't know if they, you know, you can't tell So basically, as I said, any animal will always take the easiest food option. Even a big predator, uh, a wolf would rather eat a mouse than a deer because it knows that its chances of getting injured are much less. You know, if it eats anything, if it tries to attack anything bigger, there's always a greater chance it might get injured, right? So that's why all predators will go for the smallest prey and will only attack larger prey when they have to.
0: Yeah, and that would make sense. The path of least resistance, you would have to uh, weigh your options. I mean, and and like I said, there would be a lot of easier options. than Because I know that recently I was reading about the killer whales attacking and killing great whites, which, which they were doing it pretty frequent at this one particular spot and i know that 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 does happen killer whales are the absolute as far as we know they are the absolute apex predator in the ocean which pretty much makes them the apex predator in the world uh, i don't really know anything that can prey upon them um i i had never heard um of of them being bitten and chewed and all that that that's crazy that's interesting to to, to hear that uh but i mean i'm i'm sure there's all kinds of stuff down there but these killer whales <laughs>
2: There, of killer whales being found, you know that those are pretty rare instances. So yeah, it's not like it happens a lot. You know?
0: That that yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't be very common. They're they're basically like wolves in the way that they hunt together, but they're just super predators. And that they they do this uh, thing where they flip the great whites over and they they put them into a uh, catatonic state. I forgot what they call it. There's a there's a there's a name that they call it. Where the where the where the great white is upside down and it basically just kind of lays there and then then they just tear it apart, typically tearing out its liver, which is like a third of the dang animal right there, because they have humongous livers. But um, yeah, so they so, so they
1: uh, you mean tonic immobility? Right?
0: Tonic immobility. There you go, Ryan. Thank you. Tonic immobility. They, they and they flip them over and they and they tear out their liver. And great whites are basically like uh, they 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 run away from killer whales. They're afraid of them, but you know th- somebody was saying you know well why don't they just eat great whites you know well, yeah well who wants to eat that i mean you don't, you don't want to make that your main food source yes you can kill that and eat it but wouldn't you rather like like ken said if you were out in the woods and you were given a, a, a you know a bow and arrow and with a couple of arrows and maybe a knife okay you're not going to immediately go stalk a moose you're going to try, try and find something a lot smaller that you yeah, can a kill rab- a rabbit
2: you go for the rabbit not the moose
0: exactly know. and then that'll sustain you because what what how much of a fight is a, is a rabbit going to put up against like a moose so that that would be the 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 key right there because all the animals that we know of that have ever existed do the same thing that Ken said they typically will go for the smaller prey the uh the, the lesser or whatever you know and and you don't see that a lot like it's 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 funny when you watch these videos now i've seen them these lions that make a living off of of fighting with cape buffalo these bachelor bull buffalo are reputed to be one of the meanest animals in Africa. Uh, very cantankerous, and when you're looking at an animal that has an aggression level up there with like a hippo, you know hippos are some of the meanest animals around. But they, they say that the bull buffalo are just about as mean as they are and territorial. And I've seen these lions that just they 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 make a living trying to kill those things. And sometimes they get trampled, they get their jaws broke, they get killed. But if there's anything else around at all, that would be an easier prey for them. That's what they're going to go for, but they just they just tend to follow these buffalo. Now that, but that's kind of an anomaly in the animal world that you don't you don't see that a lot where these animals will will go after this uh, heavier, bigger, stronger prey, you know. And so I think that that the uh, that's what makes the case for the megalodon just not not you know not correct. And I wanted to make sure that I threw that out there because people were wanting to hear about it. I had gotten a couple of emails, people saying, why don't you talk about these megalodons because they're cryptids too. That That is to me, the, the, the case is closed to me as far as I'm concerned. I really don't believe that they're around. I think we would see them. I mean, people claim to have seen this this dark shark in the Sea of Cortez. I don't know if you've heard that, Ken Ryan. Oh yeah, the devil shark? The devil shark. And they claim to see it. One, one person said it was as big as his yacht. It was a 70 foot, you know, whatever. And... They were saying these things are out there swimming around. I don't, you know, I just have a hard time buying into that. I mean, what is this thing eating? Because it would just, it it would have to eat an entire seal colony in a week. I mean.
1: Did they say that the bull shark was a megalodon though? I thought somebody said it was a type of great white that was just really territorial.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the reason that that I thought megalodon when I thought about that, because they're saying it's like 60 feet long. And so, I mean, if if, if great whites don't get to be that big. Now they get pretty
1: big though you have a 35 foot one deep blue she's pretty big
0: is it 35 feet Mm -hmm.
1: yeah wow you remember too people exaggerate though when they see something in the water they think you know giant they don't know how to measure it
0: yeah yeah you can't it's uh, that's the thing too i mean like this guy was they were saying that and they've they've had at least three or four sightings in the last few years of this supposed black shark the tiburon whatever but now, Ken, here's one more question for you about that about the megalodon thing. I, I was told that due to the teeth of the of the megalodon, which to me, to me, with the untrained zoological eye, I don't really and I have a megalodon tooth, and it's very big. It's about four four and a half inches. Now, it's a big one. It's a real tooth, and you know, and and so it, when you take that that megalodon tooth and you compare it to a great white too, there's no comparison. I mean, it's like the the great white is so small, but I was told that, that what what they believe now, the scientists are saying that megalodon was, was more closely related to the tiger shark than the great white. Is that true?
2: Um, that may be true. Yeah. I don't, uh, honestly, I don't know as much about the shark taxonomic family tree as I do about mammals and, and some other animals. So, um, but yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, you're read about that actually. Just because animals look the same, I mean, you have this goes back to what we we're talking about with the hyena-like dogs. You have convergent evolution in nature, so you have animals that will sometimes look like other species because they're filling a similar niche, but genetically they're not related to those animals at all. They're related to something completely different, you know. So
0: marsupials being uh, one of those that they that they tend to people say, oh, well, it looks like the like the uh the Tasmanian devil kind of looks like a Wolverine or a pine Martin, but they're completely unrelated. I mean, there's no, there's no relation there at all. That is another one. There was a, a friend of mine. I'm just going to say he's a friend of mine. He's actually a a relative of, of my, uh, one of my sisters, but he, cause that is, we're half sisters. Anyway, he worked in Australia and his job way back in the nineties was to, uh, there were dingoes. There was a dingo problem and they had to get them, you know, like basically get rid of them in certain areas because they were destroying kangaroo populations. Now him and his buddy that worked out there, his buddy was from Brisbane. I, remember, and I don't, and I don't know exactly what part of Australia cause I didn't, I'm not real familiar, but they, they were working together. And of course this guy, he's from North America, but the, he said that they would see these, these red kangaroo on a regular basis then one day they went out there to check the fence line, and they saw a small group of kangaroo that were seven to eight feet tall. They were gigantic, grayish, you know, kangaroo grayish con- colored kangaroos, and they were, for all intents and purposes, they, they had to have been like a relic population of, of kangaroos, some sort of like throwback. Do you do you believe that that could still exist, Ken?
2: Well, yeah, I've been to the Australian outback, and it's a pretty remote, vast area. So, um you know, it probably hasn't been as explored as much. And there were certainly giant kangaroos in the past, and there were also giant marsupials called diptronodonts, which were basically like big wombats that were as big as rhinos. So, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, all of these species we're talking about, you know, if it, it basically just boils down to are you convinced that there's enough uh wilderness area left in the world to hide some of these relic species but you know as we wind this down i just want to kind of go back to one main point about evolution uh, you know evolution is about competition also so a lot of these relic species that we've talked about today basically are no longer around or ex- they've gone extinct because they were outcompeted competed by other species that came up you know like the wolves you know and and dogs won the battle. They they out competed all of the ancient hyena like dogs and amphicyonids and all that and they, they're they still around because they did things better. You know, so that's that's the best argument against why relic species could still be around is they they just didn't they didn't win the battle for their niche. You know, they lost they lost that battle.
0: And now we are going to pollute and poison all the other species that survived as a prize, consolation prize, I guess that's all you get.
1: Isn't that lovely?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's like, congratulations. Well, now we're going to pollute you and you're all going to die. Right. That's a terrible it's thing to sad. say, but it, it is <laughs> something that's happening. It's accurate.
1: It's very accurate. Sad, yeah. yeah. Look at the
0: ocean. I mean, they have like the thing the size of two Texas, you know, with pollution, trash. So, Ken. You know, uh, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you run. Ryan, I'm going to keep you on for a minute. And, and Ken's got to go. He's got things he's got to do. He's a very busy man. He's got to go and, and take care of business. So, Ken, we're going to let you go. And I appreciate you being on the show, as always. Thank you for coming on. And those questions I had, that that is very much a fan. This is very much a fan-based show right here because uh, those were questions I was being asked a lot of about certain uh, prehistoric species, who, which I didn't want to just start – popping off and saying i know because ken you know a lot more about it than i do so
2: well thank you for having me on wolf as always and uh ryan it was great talking to you as well yeah this was fun i like talking about prehistoric species and you know it's again it's fun to speculate what if and yes it's not totally impossible that some of these might still exist so it's fun to talk about
0: it's one of the things you do. You keep going out there and looking for them until one day we hear that Ken uh, didn't didn't return. So I'm just kidding, Ken. We're not going <laughs> to jinx you like that. I'm going to make sure you stay in my thoughts and prayers and that you uh, you keep keep going out there and doing your Indiana Jones thing and keep returning, my friend, because uh, we want to hear you. We want to hear you talk. Just don't uh, mess up the hat, man. Don't mess up the hat. And don't sell it. Don't sell it. we Will do. All right, man. I'll see you, Ken.
2: Okay, guys. Take All right. care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: So Ryan, yes. th- th- that is that was Ken. So going over some things real quick with you with me and you, and and I wanted to, to give you some time here because I know you were kind of on the sidelines with this one, but you had a couple questions and you got them out, but I wanted to talk to you. Uh okay. going going back to what we had talked about with the hyena, um, the whole hyena thing, can you and and, and you know, yeah, I don't want to go into a whole description of what you saw, whatever. But can you close your eyes and see this thing as one of these prehistoric creatures and say, oh, it fits into this uh, other, like, it could, it could literally be one of these prehistoric creatures we talked about?
1: Honestly, after talking to Ken and getting all that scientific information, I could safely do that. Wow. It would be all too difficult. Yeah, it just it seems very, I don't know, like it falls in the line. You know, it seems like he might have actually described what I had seen.
0: Well, the part that that really got me was when he when we, when we were talking about the whole the, the 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 hyena being this was the part I could never grasp was like okay, there's a hyena creature that stands on its hind legs and there's a canine creature, but then when he said that those hyenas they, these uh, they're not even hyenas they're actually they're canines that look like hyenas. Dude, right. it was like bam, like it was like getting punched in the face and going, "Oh, there it is," you know.
1: Yes, yeah, startling reality, isn't it? Because now you're going, "Okay, so these things could be part of this whole group of dog men that we're always looking for." Before it seemed kind of odd, but now it doesn't seem so odd at all.
0: Dude, that was, and, and you know, I'm 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 so excited that 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 we were actually on the air, folks. We're still on the air. You know, but just just on the air to be able to hear Ken say that, and then you're going like, Oh my gosh, there it is. You know, like all yeah, this time. Because me and you've talked about it Ryan. many times, Ryan.
1: Oh yeah, we bounced theories back and forth, but you know, we just we didn't know everything we needed to know.
0: And now it's like, okay, lightning from the blue, I guess. Wow, that's pretty crazy. And 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 so the other thing too, uh I wanted to go back to I want to get Scott Martis back on the show and and do and do one with him where where he talks about like the the, the water cryptids because that's more his thing. If you ever get a chance to talk to Scott, that guy is as a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the the water cryptids. That's like his deal. We'll make the point to do so. Oh, you got to. We got to get him on and talk to him. So oh, sure. you got Ken, who is like basically the authority on like the prehistoric cryptozoological. You know, I liked a lot of what he said. I mean, it's it, it's food for thought. You know, I, I do tend to think that some of these creatures, though, when you're going back 30 million years on land, okay, everybody always points to the coelacanth that was in the water. I explained that. Right. But on land, that is a long time. That's a long time. You, I don't think that you would be able to sustain your existence that long.
1: No, 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 no. No, no. It's just, that's just the startling thing about cryptozoology, though. It's the fun thing about cryptozoology. Just when you think you know what you need to know somebody comes out of the blue and just tells you more stuff that you're going whoa 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 wait what yeah yeah you know, it makes it where you have more to learn you know you got to sit back you got to research again and you got so much more to look at now
0: yeah like the die. you know when i was when i was watching that episode uh, about the amarok i just thought this has got to be what that is this is the, the the description was like a bear dog but then when you go back and you look at how many millions of years had to have – okay, so you're talking like that thing would have had to have existed for millions of years and not changed much.
1: Yeah, that just wouldn't happen.
0: No. No, but you are seeing species like – okay, like like now in, in Texas, we have coy wolves. And oh, been yeah, over, yeah, we have them in Arizona as well. Yeah, they, 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 and they, they they just exploded. The population exploded. They were all over the northeast, I believe, where they came from, and now they're like down here. They're in Florida. They're all the way to Arizona. They're everywhere.
1: Trying to invade.
0: Yeah, and they're they are literally an invasive species, but they are they are a coyote mixed with uh, a wolf. And so you have the two like the rangy survival, you know, ness of the coyote, but with the 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 strength and and you know the power of a wolf. So I mean you got it's like the coyote and the wolf together is a very formidable animal. So you wouldn't want to mess with that. No, I mean I I've seen them. I've seen a couple of them in the last uh maybe four or five years i've seen two i've seen two i know i know that that was what they were i've seen both in the wild and I've, i saw that and i thought that's a coy wolf That's absolutely a wolf. one was on our job site just running around you're not gonna believe it. it's just right there you know wow. yeah i was throwing away some trash and i was like i was always outside my truck working out and doing stuff you know and and uh there was one that just went on the other side of the trash can and i was like oh my god it was just like a it, it was way too big to be a coyote and it was too it well, wasn't just knew. Yeah, I just knew it wasn't big like a wolf, but you could tell what it was, and it just kind of looked yeah. at me. And they're also aggressive; they're not really afraid, like coyotes are. They yeah, got coyotes this, are pretty by nature, so. Yeah, they run from people. Wolves do too, but but from what people have told me, the coy wolf tends to be a little more like not afraid of us. You know, they're just like they just stand there and stare at people. You know, and so yeah, yeah
1: they're just tenacious.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're tenacious for sure. I mean. So the other thing I was going to ask uh since you're you're from Arizona um and we were talking about like extinct or not extinct do you believe that since since what you saw like was a hyena type uh, uh cryptid looking creature or whatever Do you believe that it was like just an anomaly? There's just one of those there? Or do you think there's like a population of them? Have you heard of anyone else in Arizona seeing them?
1: I have. I've actually heard from different people in this town that have claimed to see similar things. Now, they won't describe it as a hyena. you know, But that's just because they don't want to sound crazy. When you approach them about this kind of stuff and they're willing to tell you, they don't want to tell you everything at first. But there has been a couple people that said, yeah, you know, it looked like a large hyena. It's the best way to describe it. You know, it looked like the animated hyenas from Lion King or whatever, you know. And I just tell them, okay, so there's more than one. Especially because, you know, the behaviors will be so different from what I encountered. Whereas mine was kind of peaceful. Some people will talk about the aggressive encounters. And it's just, I have to wonder if it's more than one that's doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, so... The people in your town where you live have seen this creature.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people have reported their dogs missing and saying, you know, something like a hyena took it, you know, and you just, you have to wonder.
0: Wow. So basically, yeah. So we're going to, we're going to end it with that. But uh, yeah, Ryan pleasure having you on
1: absolutely and thanks for having me on josh this was a lot of fun i like talking back and
0: forth like this yeah absolutely and and i'm glad that you were able to come in sit in and and uh, and and listen in and, and give some uh some pointers and everything make some points and uh ryan works uh is gonna be working with us very closely soon in, in the coming days we're gonna be doing some shows together, and he's gonna be co-hosting. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. Ryan is an up-and-coming uh, researcher and podcaster, and he's gonna be having his own channel too, right? You're getting that's in the works. Actually, yeah,
1: I'm getting yeah. all my stuff in row here so I can do that.
0: Yep, and you're kind of uh, you're your own, you're a your free agent. So, whenever you you're gonna do what you're gonna do, and 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 I'm sure you'll be successful at it. Whatever you decide oh, to do I in this. That, this so with that being said i guess that's it for us uh all right, all right so uh, and folks uh th- that's it for me for whatever uh tree you're hiding up in from hyena die and from scion <laughs> <laughs> good night